episode 50 holy shit thanks for joining us uh guys it's been a a long ride and there's plenty more of that ride to go thanks to you for listening and leaving us bulk reviews turbo what do you got buddy well, today, episode 50, we're talking to Peter Saunders. He's the president of the USFA, the governing body of spearfishing down in New South Wales. And uh, Pete's a great guy to talk to. He's, he talks to us all about uh, keeping spearfishing alive in our little part of the world. And not just our part of the world, but uh, all parts of the world. So he talks about the threats to spearfishing um, and what you can do politically to get involved and uh, and basically fight for our rights to spearfish because... You know, in places like Australia, the US and, and um, even Europe, a lot, large parts of the ocean are being shut down to, to recreational fishing and not even just fishing, but spear fishing in particular. So it's really important to uh, join these governing bodies so that we've got strength. There's uh, there's power in the, in the masses. So um, that's what we talked to about with Peter. But we also talked to Peter about um, spear fishing competitions. He's a, a good local uh, competition diver and he's got some great tips for diving comps. And uh, we learned a lot about him. We also learned a lot about um, the old school gear they used to use. And uh, no, it's just really interesting. He's I, a bit I of a dag. It. Yeah, he's a it's character. a bloody good laugh. Um, righto, iTunes reviews. We have not had any love on iTunes oh, for a while. Mate. It's like tumbleweeds um, in there. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, the reviews are about a 50-50 split. So the Yanks are keeping up with the Aussies for reviews of our podcast, mm. which is pretty bloody funny but we haven't had one for a while but a couple of my favorites from a while ago were hey guys love the podcast shrek and turbo are a blast to listen to with a lot of humor i personally have learned a lot from the show keep up the good work robert thanks robert and uh, another one was i really appreciate the format of this podcast how shrek and turbo really know how to ask the right questions during the interviews the stories shared are awesome and frequently hilarious that's generally from me i think he's talking about but sure mate it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) i would recommend this to spiros of all experience levels so thanks for your review there andrew that was uh bloody nice of you and uh i love a good itunes review it helps helps other people find the show so i know it's a pain in the ass to leave a review but we really appreciate it I mean, even if you want to give us two stars or just leave turbo two and say look shrek if it was just you it would have been five but turbo's don't, there, so. don't do that that's bad that'll hurt us that's bad advice from shrek <laughs> really bad advice but nah, uh, honest reviews doesn't matter two star one star <laughs> oh, three gosh. star still good just a review's nice <laughs> right. give shrek a one star review that's what he wants for christmas all right what else we're, we got on track? We're also up to episode fifty. So I oh, wanted, to, yeah, man, <laughs> I, I wanted to give just a huge shout out and thank you to all the guests we've had on the show, past and present, and mm. a few in the future that you guys aren't privy to yet. Um, these guys make time out of their days and uh, often unusual times of the day to yeah. come and chat to Turbo and I, and uh, you know, like put up with our bad jokes and uh, and awkward jokes. And uh, just generally help out and uh, reach out to a global audience of um, of Spiros, and uh, just wanted to thank them for contributing to our community. It's just uh, been magic. It's been yeah, magic. Yeah, absolutely. Ride. You guys on the show, you've now helped thousands of other um, budding young Spiros get into the sport and do it the right way. So um, yeah, thanks very much yeah. for your time. And even the old salty dogs that listen to the show have enjoyed it. So that sit there and go, oh, I don't do it like that. I'm not like that. <laughs> oh no, that bloke's bloody wrong. Oh, he's full of oh, shit. He's that full of shit. That fella. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening as well, guys. And uh, like I say, leaving us reviews, it makes a big difference. And uh, we've really enjoyed bringing 50 episodes to you, hopefully to another 50. Depends if Turbo um, spits a dummy in. And, uh... Hey, spit the dummy, mate. I'm a stayer. <laughs> so, yeah, look, enjoy today's episode with Peter Saunders and uh, get on board some of our sponsors. They've come along, help support the show financially. Uh, big, big shout out to Spear Apparel. Uh, Adreno Spearfishing at spearfishing.com.au and Penetrator Fins yep. and uh, a host of other guys that oh, come in Peter and support Ryder us. Peter yeah. yeah, how to freedive.com. They, these guys, staunch, staunch apparel over there in Scotland. All of these guys have helped out in different ways. And uh, Manny Sub. Yeah, Manny yeah. Sub. Yeah, all of, the, all of these guys. Just support them. They they support us. And uh, if we've left anyone out. We apologise now. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been we've been recording now for how many hours straight? Oh, we we wanted to do a sincere thank you for episode fifty. So yep. sorry for the long winded intro, guys. But enjoy <laughs> episode fifty with Peter Saunders. We wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water. 
and that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet, and I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. But when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hot spots. It's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear. Don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started off in stubbies with a bloody belt with a pig knife on it. And they've seen this big fin break the surface, roll into the water, look down, here's this nice big great white. Oh. <laughs> Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed and all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. G'day Noob Sparrow listeners, awesome to have you with us today. Today we have got Peter Saunders joining us from down in Sydney. He is the current president of the USFA. And uh, so Pete, great to have you with us today, mate. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, boys. Good to be here. So you're the president of the USFA, mate. You've done a fair bit of spearfishing in your life. Um, Where did you get started, mate? What sort of species were you chasing? I suppose I should start in the beginning where I actually got started in spearfishing. So... uh, my mother and father were actually pioneers of the sport. They uh, started spearfishing in the St George Spearfishing Club back in the early to late 50s. My mother was um, uh, mixed pairs champion with Ron Taylor uh-huh. uh, throughout the years. So um, I, the first national competition I went to was uh, 1962 at Kurrung. I was only two years old then. And uh, I've got a photo on the um, uh, New South Wales, or the, not New South Wales magazine, it's the old spearfishing magazine. And um, there's a whole heap of kids on there, and I'm one of the kids. And uh, oh, yeah. that was my f- first break into to spearfishing. Yeah, right. So we always did spearfishing. Uh, we used to go away for six, seven weeks a year down to Lake Tabari, and all the old guys would uh, go out spearfishing in the morning. They'd come back, and all us kids, they'd take all us kids out spearfishing in the day and just show us how to spearfish and that sort of thing in, in Lake Tabari and that sort of thing, you know. So, um, so how, how, long, how long ago was that? I actually started probably in about 66, 67. Yeah, right. And what sort of fish did you sort of start off targeting? What was a, maybe one of your early wins? Oh, geez, that goes back a long way. Um, <laughs> well, my family comes from around Narooma and that sort of thing, you know. So um, we used to go in with Dadnat and uh, spear bandits and Ludrick and all that sort of stuff all the time, you know. Old man was a, a real cray, cray fisherman, so we used to always get crazed all the time. We used to teach us how to get crazed. You know? And it was a it was a long while ago for you, Peter. But can you remember, you know, maybe one what what one of your bigger obstacles was when you were starting out, and maybe how did you overcome it? I think I think the biggest obstacle we ever came up uh, out with was a, there was not not much gear around in those days, you know. Yeah. So to keep warm, you'd have warm jumpers on and that sort of stuff, you know. You, yeah. You had a fire going on the bank, you know, and you get out. <laughs> sit next to the fire trying to get warm and that sort of stuff, you know, and yeah. trying to defeat blue bottles and all that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. That, 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 We're a bit spoilt now, aren't we? We are very spoiled, you know, yeah. what we had. You know? And Dad used to make his own guns and all that sort of They all used to make their own guns then, you know. Yeah. So um, he used to pinch latches off the, you know, the Red Rattler trains, the windows that go up and down. Yep, yep. They used to make the trigger mix out of the, the, the window openers on the trains. Yeah, right. And uh, they used to get a plane handle, and that was the handle for the spear gun, and then they used to have a bit of stainless to go around for a trigger guard, and then they had another bit of copper to go up around the, the thing to hold the spear in, and that was it. And they were, they were effective? Oh, yeah, yeah. Used them up until, I don't know, 20 years ago, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> what, right? are you, what are you running now? Um, well, I was lucky. I've, I've been very fortunate, I suppose, with the people that I've dived with over my life, you know. And uh, one of the people that I dived with was... Um, uh, quite regularly with Rob Torelli and, and Andy Ruddick. Yep. And uh, Rob was kicking off Picasso at the time, and yep. uh, he asked me to try out some Picasso gear for him. So I had Picasso guns, and then I went over to Torelli. He asked me to go with the Torelli guns. So I've, I've only ever used Torelli and Picasso guns like later later in, in the spearfishing life, you know, before I used to make my own gear and that sort of stuff. Oh, question. The modern pipe guns that we're all using, and compared to that, those older homemade guns, is has it made a much of a difference to your spearfishing? I don't think so. No, not really. Right. But the old, the older guns. Um, funny enough, uh, the older guns that I used to make and that sort of stuff, like they were they were a bit longer than the guns we sort of use now in in, in competitions and that sort of thing. But we were using prangers and all that sort of stuff then, whereas as, as now I use uh, straight point and that sort of thing. But 
Um, no, I don't think much has changed really. Just a, the rubbers probably got better. Yeah. Uh, that, that's about it. You know, you still got the same shaft and and all that sort of stuff. You know. I did a bit of a quick search on you, Pete, um, the other day just to try and learn a bit about you before we got on the line with you. And uh, you, uh, you're still competing, I believe. How, how old yep. are you now? I turned 57 this year. And you're still doing pretty well. I've seen some pretty good placings there. Uh, what What was your most recent competition and result? I, I did a, an Alleman in December and I was got in the top 10 there. So yeah, beautiful. you got to be happy yeah. with that. Yeah, I was. I, I, I haven't been feeling really competitive up until that last month and then... Uh, I've been sort of mentoring a young fella over the last couple of years and uh, he wanted to win B grade for, for Metropolitan Zone for the Almond Shield. So he won it this year. So oh, wow. Good result. I was pretty good for, for that. And uh, I decided to tell him up a bit on the last comp. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good job. Uh, so um, what, what did you, what, to get it shoot inside the top 10 in that competition, what, what was your bag? What did your bag look like? You've shot that many fish you're struggling to remember, aren't you? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I got. I think I got seven or eight species or yeah. that, for that day. So it was like big, big pigs and moeys and I've got a tarwine and a whole heap of stuff. And I had the young fellow beside me and he, he got a couple of my fish that I wanted. And so, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So it was good. Yeah, it was a good day. Uh, good stuff. All right, so we've heard a little bit about some of the challenges you had mostly with gear starting out. I guess the next question we ask our guests is, uh, we normally get a good story out of you here. It's, um, could you share a story with us of probably one of your most memorable fish? Actually, probably the most memorable fish for me was I shot a yellowtail kingfish down at Kaurong in a tailor shield and went end up going 36 kilos. Oh. Uh, and... Uh, it probably went over 40, but I left I left it in the sun for about three hours, so yeah, <laughs> it, it lost a bit of condition by the time I got away. But what happened was I used to have a couple of juniors in my boat called, uh, and their names were Ray Powell and um, Paul Marks, who's now deceased because he died he died of shallow water blackout. But uh, I, I, I mentored them over the years, and uh, they, they, they won a couple of national titles and that sort of thing. But anyway, we had a couple of spots that we used to shoot kingfish down at Carroll. And uh, this day I was in about, I was only in about 15 foot of water, I suppose, and four of the biggest kingfish came in I'd ever seen, and I picked the smallest one. Far out. This kingfish came up and actually got, he he turned side on and looked, I was standing in the water, and he come under my flippers, and uh, I put my spear gun between my flippers, and he looked at me me between the flippers, and I speared him straight in the eye. Is that right? (laughs) So he he rolled over, and... uh, I couldn't pull him off the bottom. He was that he was that heavy, and then all of a sudden, you know, kingfish get a second lease of life. Yeah. Next thing you know, he dragged me across the other side and ended up in this cave in about sixty foot of water. <laughs> I went down and dived down and into the cave and took another gun in there and I, I speared him again and trying to pull him out. And as I'm pulling him out, he's trying to pull me back in and there's gear going everywhere. In the end, I end up getting a cramp and we couldn't get him out of the cave. Ah, oh, bugger. And then. Uh, I said to Ray, I said, oh, there was a, a scuba boat over, over the other side. I said, go and see them, see if you can borrow a tank off and we'll get this fish out of the cave. So he went over there and they told him to get stuffed. <laughs> so he come back and as he come back, this fish, for some reason, just come out of the cave and just come up beside the boat. Oh. And then I reached over and just pulled it into the boat. And then as I pulled it in the boat and I put it on the deck, it just went absolutely. <laughs> as they stuck. do. Yeah. Yeah, and and all they could see me was laying on this fish with a knife in my hand, trying to kill this fish. <laughs> and this fish lifted me above the gunnels, you know, and the blood and guts and everything going everywhere. And yeah. you know, I finally got it and uh, landed it that day. Got into the comp, and there were three other fish weighed in that day. Um, a jewfish weighed in at thirty-two, I think, and another kingfish at thirty-six or thirty-seven, something like that. Wow. So. There was some good fish weighed in that day, like, you know, really good fish. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. That's a good story. I love nothing better than shooting a big king. I love them. Even up here where people complain that, you know, seasonally sometimes they don't taste the best. I haven't had a bad one yet. I, I love them. We talked to a few Kiwis and, and, and North Americans. They have yellowtail over there, and everyone loves shooting them. Eh? They're, they're a good, fun fish. No, it's a, uh, and this spot that I've got, I used to win the biggest fish for the year out of this one spot every year. I used to, used to just cane them. Yeah, but, right. Uh, haven't been back there for a while, so I've got to get back there and have a look. Yeah, there'll be a couple of grand. Where, where is it, by the way? Or, or just <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got that problem telling you when it's down to Carroll. 
Just uh, maybe just some specific <laughs> longitude and latitude. No, uh, and, uh, anyone can have a look along the targets there and I'll find a spot. Don't worry. Uh, all right, cool. Next uh, question. Hunting technique. Yeah, yeah what's uh, if you had one little tip or hunting technique for any type of fish, um, what could you give us? What sort of tip could you give us for a, a good hunting technique? What's your favourite? I like using burley. Okay. Um, well, and funny enough, I, I didn't know anything about burling really till. I, I got introduced to a boat called Greg Pickering. Yep. I yep. diving with Greg for about two weeks out on the Coral Sea wow. and uh, introduced me to, to burling, and that just opened my eyes up, and I thought, I've got to keep doing this. So <laughs> I even do it in comps a fair bit too as well. So okay. I've got, I've got the time where I can't find fish, so I'll start burling. So, so yeah, what's bur, burling's probably the best thing. So down south around Sydney, what sort of burley are you using? Anything I can get hold of. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like using uh, sarjos and moeys and that sort of stuff, but just generally anything. You know, any, any any fresh fish you've got, you just carve it up, and the finer you make it, the better it is, and just let it float in. And I use a flasher with it sometimes as well, and I just uh, let the flasher come up to the bottom, and I just get the action going. You just got with most fishing, you just got to get that action going. You know, you just smaller fish come in, bigger fish, bigger fish, bigger fish, you know? Yeah. I've joined another club or helped, I'm trying to help another club out at the moment. Yep. And uh, I've been giving them talks on how to comp dive and uh, that's one of the things, you know, burling and and just selecting your species and that sort of thing for the, for each comp. It seems like a very strategic, uh, you know, the guys that are very good at comps seem to be not only very good divers and hard working, but they've also got very clear plan and agenda about how they're going to approach it. Well, if we can, we'll go to that thing. Yeah, yeah. So what I got taught and what I, I try and pass on now, and a lot of people don't listen to it, but this is what we do. And you look at the competition score sheet for, for what you're going to be doing in that area. Mm. You know? So if, you, if you're doing around Sydney, you, you look at the competition score sheet and, you, and then you go, okay, you break the score sheet into basic species for the day. You've got to do it for the day, not for the for what's on the basic species all the time. But what you think on the conditions of the day is going to be, and 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 pick your basic fish. So your basic fish mainly are like brim, ludric, black drummer, silver drummer, in some of your jackets, red moeys, blue moeys, and just your basic species, right? Yeah. So you go for those basic species all the time. Anything in between that is what we call a bonus fish. Uh-huh. So they're a pickup fish, you know. Yeah, mackerel, yeah, just, kingfish. Um, they're, they're just a they're just a bonus. They're all yep. bonus fish, you know. Okay. You just keep going for your basic fish. You just got to keep going for your basic fish. And on a bad day, you like you can get anywhere between five and ten species on a bad day. That should okay. be your that should be your basic fish. On a good day, you should have basic species of you know twenty fish or something, you know. Wow. Yeah. So, so anything in between like fifteen and twenty, you'll be going all right, depending on the conditions. Okay. So you just got to keep going to those basic basic species, you know, and you'll find you pick up more fish in competitions that way. And uh, it's a pairs comp, your main comp down there. We're we're still we're still doing individual competitions. Okay. We're just starting to do pairs competitions. We've just been seeing how they're going, but actually our individual comps seem to be growing at the moment. Um, okay. We're getting, we're getting seventy and eighty divers to an element at the moment. Oh so. really? Yeah. Oh phenomenal. Yeah. That's really good. So, pretty hard not to uh, keep doing it you know and they're actually fisheries asking to put fish back on the score sheet now oh good so, yeah so oh. that's another good what, bonus what's, as well what sort of fish are they asking to go back on the score sheet put and put back on for a little while your eyes lit up there Pete you were all over that one <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, yeah, I, I know what they were like when they, when you'd be able to take them, you know, and what they were like to eat. So they were, they were good eating. Yeah, yeah. They just asked us to put um, crimson bandits back on the score sheet. So oh, cool. um, we took them off oh, a long time ago because we we've got a a thing called a USFA index where uh, CSIRO asks us for all our competition data for our last sixty years. Mm-hmm. They can see growth rates and all that sort of stuff and. Because we knocked a fish off the score sheet, they haven't been able to get any data, so they want to see if it's increased or decreased or whatever. Ah, so, that would be a much more accurate way of keeping track of the fishery, I think, than some of the other methods I've heard of. Uh, it's very interesting, actually. Well, what it's done is it's made uh, the USFA the forefront of fishing. Oh, perfect. I mean, fishing in Australia because um, our data can't be matched by anyone. It would cost them virtually billions of dollars 
to try and match the data mm. of what we do because we've held a competition in the same spot every different times a year like every every year for the last 60 years so all those data sheets have come together swell conditions you know everything's all come together and you've been able to, to um, dissect yeah. That's phenomenal. That's a good relationship. I'm enjoying hearing about the transparency between, you know, you guys as a governing body and some of the man the fisheries management indexes here. That's that's really cool. What are some of the, the trends, um, Peter, that you're seeing over the years? Are, are, the, are the fish to, fish catches declining within competition or are they increasing? No, no the, I, I haven't seen them declined at all. They've actually, they've actually put up stuff. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago when Old Merv Sheen was on, uh, one of the groups, one of the fishing groups tried to tell us that king wrasse weren't, weren't readily available. And we go, what are you talking about? You know, and we pull out our sheets and said, there's the information there and they're, they're not decreasing, they're increasing, you know, and the size and that's got bigger and all that sort of stuff. And they're, yeah. oh, well, we better go away then. I've <laughs> yeah, right. heard from them since, you know. So it's a good tool to use when you go into a meeting and they start waffling on about different stuff and you just say, listen, what are you actually talking about? You know, yeah. so over this, you go, well, the information that we've got doesn't agree with what you're saying. Yeah, we're actually, Simon Tripp, uh, one of your uh, other sort of compatriots down there, He uh, he's put me on to the records keeper, I think, for the USFA. We're going to try and get him on at some stage. What's his name? He, he must be doing a fair bit of that work in the behind the scenes. Uh, it used to be um, Aaron Carey. But, um, okay. I don't okay. know who it is. I've got his name written down. I'll, I'll, I'll chase that up. I just want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, Adreno. You can find them at spearfishing.com.au. They are one of the world's biggest and best spearfishing stores and stock every piece of spearfishing equipment you could ever imagine. They've got three locations, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. So go and check them out in store. But if you are shopping online, save yourself some money. Use the Noob Spiro code at checkout to save $20 on all purchases over $200. So that is spearfishing.com.au and use the code Noob Spiro at checkout. If you're sick and tired of looking like a 90s dad like Shrek, well, <laughs> get over to speartapparel.com and use the code NOOBERS at checkout to get 10% off everything store-wide. That is N-O-O-B-E-R-S at checkout, and that's across the whole range at speartapparel.com. All right, well, moving along. So next part of the show uh, is called the toughest situation. So what's the toughest situation you've been in in the ocean? Uh, what was the scenario? What what sort of happened? And then what what did you learn from it? Yeah, it's quite good this one. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said before, I, I did a trip with uh, Greg Pickering and Rob Torelli and a few others, and we went out to the Coral Sea, and we we're out uh, off Townsville about 400 miles, without being Flinders and that sort of places. You know? yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I hadn't speared a green jobfish, and I wanted to spear a green jobfish. So Greg said to me one late afternoon, "Let's go and spear Greg a green jobfish." I said, "All right." So it was just getting on that dusk buddy you know that funny change of the, the the day you know where it's just going from day to, to dark sort of thing yeah. and we're st and we're still in the water you know and i speared this bloody fish and, and you, you had that sense that everything was starting to go off you know yeah feared this bloody green job fish and the sharks just went absolutely crazy anyway i'm fighting off these fish off these sharks and i'm looking over at greg and i'm saying like you know give me a handy you know like let's do something to get rid of these sharks and he's just standing there watching me in the water you know Finally, all the, and I'm screaming out and trying to kill these bloody sharks with my knife. And, <laughs> and I had no gun because the job fish was still in my hands and I had everything going. And, and all of a sudden, the sharks disappeared. And I turned around to Greg. I said, why in the hell didn't you do something? And he said, Peter, I wanted to show you that if you had determination and conviction, you can get rid of those sharks just by perseverance. And that's what you've got to do, Peter. You've got to get rid of those sharks. <laughs> And I said, you could have told me that before we started, Greg, but thanks very much. And after that, I learned a, a, a good thing about sharks and what to do and what to look for and not look for and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was my, my dealings with uh, Greg. With that. <laughs> He's got a very well-known um, reputation. Pete. He, he keeps to himself, but we'd love to have him on the show at some stage. We've... Um, We've talked to a number of people that have um, had some mentoring from Greg, and uh, he sounds like a wealth of knowledge, that bloke, so hopefully oh, we can get him on one day. Yeah. He's probably the uh, the diver that I've, I've met, that uh, there's probably only two blokes, and, and he's one of them, 
and the, the the passion for the sport is just nothing. Like uh, he would hop in the water without a float or anything, just a real gun, a big big old Western Australian real gun, and he'd hop in the water at the back of the boat, and you wouldn't see him till dark that night when he'd hop back on the boat. And he goes, <laughs> "How the hell do you do it? Why didn't you get taken by a shark or something like that?" You know, yeah. he was there the whole wow. time. You know, so. Yeah. It was a good influence and taught me a lot, you know. All right. Hey, next part of the show, Pete, is called Veterans Fault. Now, this is a sort of the part of the show that we customise for every guest we have on. And uh, we'd like to sort of ask our guests, you know, about their sort of area of expertise. And we thought we'd ask you a fair bit about um, spearfishing's political bodies and how sparrows can get a little bit more involved, um, you know, but some, some practical sort of, you know, information to to help them take some action to improve spearfishing conditions in their own countries and Australia. And uh, so, yeah, maybe we could talk a little bit more about your role in the USFA and um, and sort of what USFA does for spearfishing on a national level for Australia. I'll start off with my role. My role really nowadays is more just pushing people in the right direction to where they should go and where they shouldn't go, you know. I think... Spearfishermen now, the social media has opened up the, 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 the whole body of spearfishing everywhere. And what I what I don't see happening is that people have got, uh, and I, it's probably not right to say this, but I've got to say it because I'm, I'm a sort of straight up sort of a guy. Um, there's a lot of self-promotion out there, but no promotion for the, the sport in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, people are all, all, all good to say yes or do this and we spear this and we spear that and we show all the photos and that sort of thing and that, that can all be good but some of the photos can be very damaging too I think that um, people have got to start watching what they put up on social media as well but mm. when it boils down to it there's only certain types of people that actually sit down and do the work that you've got to do for the, the background of, of spearfishing and people don't want to get their hands dirty as far as getting in and doing that. You've actually got to plead with them to fill in a in a survey or, you know, you've really got to do the hard work to try and get them in there. To even joining associations very hard. You try and get people to, to part with uh, spear, spear, especially spearfishermen. They just don't like parting with money as far as, <laughs> yeah. as buy, you know, even buying gear. They, they, they have a hard time to go, oh, you know, do yeah. I really need this, you know? So they, they've got to get um, proactive and uh, get involved in clubs get involved with their association and, and get involved politically you know it, mm. it, it's it's going to start closing up if we don't you know mm. um, they, they've got to, they've got to have we've got a big voice and we just don't use it you know mm. we've got so many people out there spearfishing and they're just not involved and they should be involved you know because mm. uh, like I'm a bit past my time now but I'm, I'm just looking at kids and all that sort of stuff in, the, in in you know that are just starting out the sport they're not going to have half of what the stuff that we used to be able to do you know that and places that we used to be able to dive in, it just closed up now. You know, you just can't do it. What, what if we can just expand on that? What are some of the current threats to our sport? I think some of the current threats are the the, the policies put out by politicians. Are, it, it's not done by science. It's all political. So if you, you can forget about science. So, you know, science is only a small part of it. It's all political. You've you've got to get in there, and that's why the Greens are so good at it because. They've got time to do the stuff that they, that they want to do. So you've got to be able to fight that sort of thing, you know. So this is in regards to um, green zones and no-go areas for spearfishermen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about essentially. Like if, it, if, if a green group wants something, nine times out of ten they'll get, they'll get it because we don't politically fight it. We've got to mm. fight it politically. And, and the only way you can fight that politically is have the numbers. Mm. It's all about numbers. So... If, if, if someone's a politician sees that you've got the numbers there, they'll start talking to you and say, yeah. well, what do you want? But if you haven't got the numbers, they'll just go, well, they're a smaller number. We don't have to worry about them. We'll go and, and, and do this, you know. So it's, it's about being united and, and, and people doing stuff for themselves, you know. Just to take it right down to a nuts and bolts level, Pete, uh, there's a bit of a consultation process going on your way at the moment. Um, now, there was some some stuff that was put out by the USFA to try and get people to share their opinion and thoughts on some of the zoning things that are under con consultation. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and how Spiros can possibly contribute just to that one campaign? Mainly how they can... It's all about a numbers thing, and that's all it okay. is. You know, I keep saying that. It's all about numbers. So if they fill out the survey, 
put the the, the, the survey in, there's your numbers. That's, yep. that, that's what it's all about. Okay. Um, we, if we've got the numbers, then we can walk into a meeting and say, okay, we've got the numbers, this is what we want. Yep. Okay. But until you've got those numbers, it, it makes it very hard. We, we, we're fighting all the time, you know. But that's how you've got to do it. You've got to do it with numbers. So there's a um, survey active at the moment, is there, on USFA? Can people come and find it? No, there's the, 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 we've had the survey before. It's, it's been up and down. Now it's, it's in the latter stages of being processed. So now they're looking at, at making their marine parks and all that sort of stuff and what they want to do. I got an email yesterday about um, a workshop that they want to do and talk about what areas they're going to zone and all this sort of stuff. So we're, we're into that. So now we, we, we've got to start doing the political fight for it now. So that's what we're doing. We'll, 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 have, we'll go with our allies, our, our line fishing people and... We, we're aligned with um, Recreational Fishing in New South Wales and we'll go in with them and uh, and just be one in, all in sort of thing because it, it affects not only spear fishing but line fishing as well. So don't ever forget that, you know. It, mm. it, it's all about all the different groups, you know. So anything to do with fishing. We're talking about fishing. We're, we're not, we're, we've got no, no idea. We've got, we've got an idea where marine parks shouldn't be about um, locking us out. It should be about fish management. Yeah, uh, in New South Wales, our fish management is very, very good, and that's yep. done by fisheries. Yeah. But go into marine park, and that's totally different again because it's taken off fisheries and put into marine park. So, uh, and, and that's what you've got all around Australia. You've got people that are just want you lock you out. They're not doing fish management. Fisheries management is, is is what it's all about. If you can manage a fishery, you can do more with it. You know, you've got more fish there. You know, more people enjoy themselves. That is something you think we seem to run into. You've got these issues with national parks as well, um, and they all sort of collide. And it's this sort of piecemeal approach to managing our our foreshores and 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 oceans. And it, it does seem a little bit bizarre. And from state to state, the behaviours are very different. So it's it's interesting to hear you talk about some of the things. I guess for me, like I, I we, we our, our audience is fairly motivated they're they're a motivated bunch of sparrows and uh i think most of the guys would probably get get involved if they could what are some of the things that they should maybe look out to do in the future pete perhaps the uh process down your way is you know more or less at an end but you know looking to the future how how can guys just fill out surveys and get involved let their voice be heard and sign the bits of paper that go around sort of thing is this sort of where we're going yeah i i I I really do believe in that. You know, they've 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 got to get involved. Involvement's what it's all about. You know, um, like there's, I think there's something like ten thousand spearos out there at the moment that are, that are doing nothing. They're just they're just being spear fishermen. And they're saying, well, what do I need to get into that for? Well, the reason you need to get in that is eventually you're going to get locked out. You know, you, they say, well, why should we worry about it when we don't spear those fish? But hey, you know, somebody else might spear for those fish. Someone might want to eat those fish. You know, it's, it's People have got different ideas about different fish, you know. You shouldn't uh, go by what, um, you know, that could be a bad fish. Net. Like, you know, down here they, they, they don't like silver drummer, but we're too spoiled in our ways <laughs> that we eat fish because we get good good table fish, but yeah. that's silver drummer. You give it to somebody else, you know, like a, one of the, you know, the, the normal people that don't fish just stand around looking at you at a spearfishing comp. You yeah. give them a fish like that, and they think you're the best man in the world. You know. Yeah. I took a mate out recently, and uh, this is his second trip, and he, he he took a nice Maui, and then we put him onto a silver drummer, and uh, he said to me when we got back to the surface, "Oh, these really good eating." And I was like, "Mate, when you're starting, these things are the best." Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you, you do start to discriminate as you've been spearing longer, but uh, I didn't let him onto my prejudice. But it was all good. No, no, that, and that's what I'm talking about. And and. and and I don't think there should be any prejudice by other spear fishermen for what other people take, you know. As long as you stay stay within your fishery management lim- limits, what, what's it matter, you know? You, you, you know? People say, like, oh, you know, you speared too many of them. But if they're in the bag limits, why should you feel guilty about it, you know? Yeah, I like seeing a young guy hold up a big Maui more than I do some of the more experienced guys hold up, um, you know, trophy fish. Although it's all good. I just I just like to see the, the young guys getting a, getting a big stoke shooting something. Pete, what are... Um what are some of the wins that the USFA has had? What's some of the obvious, tangible wins that we can see that, that the USFA and similar organisations in Australia have had over the last few years? I think I think the biggest win that we that we probably ever had was um, that spearfishing was allowed to spear in grey nurse areas. Okay. Um, I think that's a, that, that's a start of, of something really good for us. And um, 
with talks that we're having at the moment, it, it looks like it, it could lead to, to, to bigger and better things as far as getting into areas. Could be green areas, as you say, yep. but only spearing certain certain fish in those green areas. And I haven't got a problem with that. I think that's, you know, it's not a bad idea. If you, if you can go into a, a fully green area and, and only take, say, a pelagic species in there, well, you know, so be it. Yeah. At least you're still in the in that area, and if you can show if you can show that you're good at what you do in that area, then that leads to different like getting more points, so that you can lead down the road to getting something better in that in that yeah. area later on. You know, so. So, so what, what was think, the concern? You know, what was the concern with spearfishmen within grey nurse areas originally? Well, well, what forced us out originally was that they said there was only 500 grey nurses in Australia. But <laughs> we pr we proved that wrong pretty quickly, but. Uh, we're still having those discussions with them now because every time you go into a fisheries meeting and they, they say, oh, start talking about the grey nurse, and you go, oh, yeah, that's right, we're up to 1,001 today, aren't we? Boys? <laughs> so, and they start laughing at us, you know, because they know it's true, you know. Right. So um, I think just getting into those areas was was, was, was pretty good, you know. Yeah. I think by eventually um, the grey nurse will come off the, um, what is it? the Protected uh, list or endangered it, and, yeah. and they will, because there's too many of them around now. You know, there's yeah. that many. And the, uh, so, the yeah, that's what, that's where I think it is. The seeing eye dogs of the reef down there, the blue grouper, their numbers are uh, encroaching as well. I, I believe sometimes in some areas. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it, it, they're just like in plague proportions, you know. And <laughs> yeah. I think once we can start start proving that, that, that that'll be another thing as well, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I say, fisheries are looking at stuff, and and like I said that before, you know, let us put crimson banded. But like we asking us to put. Crimson Band back on, they're going to start asking us to do other stuff as well. You know, it's just yeah, not, it's good. Uh, take, take, take all the time. It's, it's, you know, all those fish that they've taken off in New South Wales and possibly up in Queensland and those sort of places have mm. gone off score sheets that due to the association. You know, mm -hmm. it, it just did. We, we did our own proactive stuff as far as saying, okay, these fish aren't aren't real good, so we'll take them off for a while. You know, yeah, cool. So I think they 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 uh, they look after that as well. You know. All right, so we're probably going to move on from this section, Pete, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there any parting sort of bits of information you'd want to give in the veterans file, uh, like and with regards to this sort of this broad discussion we've had? Um, I'd just like to get everyone sort of keen and do something for your sport, not just for yourselves all the time, you know? Yeah. Get in there and do something. You know? that, that's what you need. Be, be, be part, even if it's just being part of a club that's with the association, not... Not something that's out of the association, but with an association. Mm. And I'm not just talking about USFA. I'm just talking about spearfishing in general. Yeah. You've got to be part of that. Be part of a political party, you know. Yeah. Like most of us in New South Wales, we're, we're with the Shooters, Shooters, Shooters and Fishers Party down here, you know. Yeah. And they, they do great things for us. And, and they're, they're, in, they're in the right place to be at the moment. So that's mm. why we're with them, you know. Get involved. That's all I can, I can yeah. say. Be involved. You know? There's a lot of Have other benefits. Voice. To being in clubs as well, we've discussed with other guests on the show as well in terms of, you know, like having mentors and access to sort of all these knowledgeable guys and experienced guys. It's a, it's a, it's a real fast way to shortcut a lot of your learning. So there's benefits not only in it for you know spearfishing as a sport at a at a at a government level, but there's also a lot of benefits in it for people to personally join. And it's a good place to meet blokes, get on boats, and uh, and learn the ropes. Yeah, that's correct. You know, it's the best way to go. Cool. All right. The other day we were just having a chat about what we wished was around when we were starting spearfishing and we thought, geez, I wish there was an e-book called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. <laughs> and guess what? Now there is, thanks uh, to us. Amazon.com, our cheapest chips, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. Written by yours truly, Turbo and the Shrekinator. It's actionable information from more than 40 interviews with spearfishing experts from around the world. It's absolutely jam-packed with tips. Now, every tip is not tips. just a single tip. There's tips within tips. So There's tips over and under tips. So we had to pick a number. We're at 99. There's probably a 1,000. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe a 1,005. Possibly. So where can they find it? Amazon.com. 99 tips to get better at spearfishing by Turbo and Shrek. Shrek. What's your name again? Guys, we are proud to announce that we now have a code for you guys when purchasing a set of Penetrator freediving fins from penetratorfins.com. These are the best fins going. We love them. Super reactive. They get a great curve, great channels, and they last forever. We've been using them now for years. I've flogged the hell out of mine. I've had them in wrecks and the rocks, the whole lot. Cannot kill them. 
I, mean, I even saw the rocking chair at the back of the house on one of the blades the other day, and it was someone was sitting on it, and I caught him to get off, and it was the blade was still good. I couldn't believe it. Anyways, so we've got a code for you. It's Noob Spiro, and chuck that in at checkout when you're shopping online at penetratefins.com, and you will save yourself twenty dollars. That's Noob Spiro at checkout. So get online and take advantage of that. Not to mention, I almost forgot that you get $25 international flat rate shipping. So take advantage of the code. The great shipping cost. Get one of the best fins on the planet on your feet and get out there and shoot more fish. Guys, I just want to bring your attention to the new Speed Apparel wetsuit. It is called the Novo, and you can find that at speedapparel.com. And if you use the code NOOBERS at checkout, that's N-O-O-B-E-R-S, at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% on any purchases. So that's really great, and thank you for Speed Apparel for getting on board. Now, the great thing about the Novo wetsuit is it doesn't require lube. So unlike Shrek's leather chaps on a Friday <laughs> night, no lube's required to get in or out of this wetsuit. So get on board, check them out. They look fantastic. The color's great. Speedapparel.com. All right, Peter, a bit of a change of pace, mate, but we like to ask this question. You've been diving for a long time. You must have a, a funny story or two to tell us about spearfishing. <laughs> actually, I've got a real funny one, actually. I was diving over in uh, Exmouth, and I, I took my ex's uh, son out to spearfish me. He started spearfishing. We are diving off this uh, reef off Exmouth there, a fair way up, and uh, I hopped in the water, and, and this young bloke hopped in the water, and it was fishy as the fishiest I've ever seen a place. And um, these 30 or 40 kilo bloody Spanish mackerel were swimming past me, and I thought, <laughs> I'm going to smack one of these in a, in a second. I might be able to control myself. You know? <laughs> but I, I hadn't seen any sharks, you know. I just Everything I'd seen, like I'd seen cod, I'd seen I'd seen groper, I'd seen bloody every, every sort of fish I'd seen. Anyway, I thought, oh, I'll just go and spear something and see if anything comes in. I, I saw a big cray on the bottom. I thought, oh, I'll go and spear that and see what happens. So I speared this cray and put it in the boat. Nothing happened. And I thought, yeah, you beauty. I'm going to smack this first Spanish that comes past. <laughs> Next thing you know, this big Spanish, about oh, 30, 35 kilo, come past. And I thought, right, you're it. So I give it to it. And this Spanish, there must have been a wall of sharks behind him, right? <laughs> he chased after this Spanish. And uh, I had it on a real gun. And, this, and I'm watching it. And this Spanish is jumping out of the water. And the sharks are jumping out of the water trying to get him. Next thing you know, this Spanish turned around and swam straight back at me. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, I could feel this tugging on the back, you know. I'm going, what the bloody hell is that? And I'm trying to watch this, this fish, and I'm trying to watch the sharks. And I turn around, and he's my future son-in-law, buddy, eyes as big as, buddy, dinner plates, and just white and scream hard out. And I'm trying to settle him down, trying to organise the fish, trying to organise the shark. It was just complete and utter mayhem. <laughs> so anyway... Spanish got vaporized and the sharks were coming up between our legs and everything like that, you know. And uh, when they vaporized the mackerel, it just everything went quiet. Yeah. And he turned around and he just couldn't speak. And I said, Oh, I think I better put you in the boat. And I put him in the boat. He said, Oh, aren't you hopping in? I said, No, no. I said, They're all full now, so I'm going to do some spearfish. And so I hope they can do some more spearfish. So, yeah, I got a heap of tuskies and all that sort of stuff. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, it was pretty funny seeing his face. and He kept spearfishing. He still spearfishes to this day, so it's okay, pretty good. good stuff. Can't have put him off too much then, eh? All right, so we talked about your spear gun a bit earlier, and you sort of took us through your evolution from bloody these old handmade woody guns through Picasso and then into Torelli gear. Well, what does the rest of your dive bag look like? Well, head to toe, sort of, what's your, what's your go-to equipment um, this time of year down Sydney? All right, so... Um, I've always had uh, dive R fins because uh, my association with Ray. Uh, I've known Ray since tiny little junior, and he was in my boat all the time. I used to take him and Dong around all over New South Wales in, in my car and my boat. There'd just be the three of us, and we'd just fish everywhere. So when he started making spear guns and all that sort of stuff, fins and all that sort of stuff, he sort of just uh, gradually got me over to it and, and started on that. So I got dive R fins. Um, I, uh, I've got a bloke in Sydney here that makes wetsuits for me so I make because I'm a pretty big guy so he um he makes a wetsuit for me and yeah, uh, yeah just use an old twenty dollar mask or something that I've always had from year dot and yeah I don't like getting rid of it uh, you can't buy them anymore so I bought another one the other day but I still haven't used it so yeah yeah <laughs> that'll get interesting uh yeah I just use uh I use my like I say my Torelli guns and they've all got reels on them what reels do you run car show reel yeah oh okay just, just, just a little plastic one yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just run some uh, some jinko on that, and, okay. and that's what I use with that. 
nothing else really special. It's just 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 my gear, just standard old gear and yeah, yeah. just well used, and that's it. You know, that's what I, I do. Some some blokes are real gear guys. I uh, I'm not. I, I I like stuff that works, but simple's good for me. I don't even like bloody changing the rubbers on my spare gun, to be honest. <laughs> but Turbo's a bit of the op- uh, the the opposite. He likes making stuff. I uh, I can't be bothered. But so it's interesting. Check yeah, I used here. to do all that. I, I I used to make all my own gear. You know, like I say, bridles and rubbers and all that sort of stuff. But I just like once I got the 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 Picasso and the Torelli stuff, I never had to change any of the gear. I didn't have to. I just get it off the shelf and start using it straight away. So that was the biggest windfall for me. I still use those. Um, I don't like using the um, – I, I like the screw-in rubbers. Mm-hmm. I find they last probably two or three seasons before I have to change them. Yep. Uh, I don't know why, but that, they just seem to last. And, uh, yeah, the only thing I've ever really gone is I've, I've now got a rope bridle instead of a stainless steel bridle. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> Next round is sort of like um, – a faster round of Q&A, if you like. Um, yep. The first question is, what's the single best piece of advice you've ever been given for spearfishing? Don't go by yourself. Okay. Love it. Yeah, good. All right. Who has been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing? You mentioned Greg Pickering earlier. Is there anyone else? Um, I suppose the first person really was my dad. He, 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 died, he died right up until he died. I remember going down to a nationals with him down in uh, Eden years ago. Yeah, he was pretty influential on me. Um, Andy Ruddick was very influential on me. Um, so was Rob Torelli. I've done a lot of diving with those two boys. But Andy taught me a, a hell of a lot because he used to be in my boat all the time. Yeah, just, uh, you know, those are sort of main blokes. Greg Pickering, like I say. Yeah. There's been a lot of people in my life that have, uh, Simon Tripp even, you know, has taught me a few yeah. few little things, you know. Um, yeah, you know, there's always someone there that's that, that always learnt something off. You know, there's always nice. something. It's that's the thing about spearfishing. Yeah, you think you know it all, but you know nothing. You know? Oh no, and it's a it's a it's this is a relatively new part of the show, but it's just such an important part of the sport that I've I've wanted to get it in there, and so guys can get a bit of an understanding of 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 you know how important it is to have you know influential people around you when you're learning spearfishing. I think I think it's really good. One thing I have learnt in the last, especially in the latter time, is that the young people don't listen to the older people they think that they know everything yeah they've got to start listening you know like we've been there and done all what they they think it's changed but it hasn't changed that much you know they've got to listen to what we're doing okay you know, cool. that's the best thing i can say to them, you know? yeah that's good well it goes right along with this next question i said if you had to start um spearfishing all over again what would you do differently is is that something that you did as a young fella pete were you guilty of that yourself <laughs> no um no i was i was taught uh, differently as far as they, they just dragged us out there and put us in the water and we just learnt from them. Yep. We were taught to, to watch and uh, respect, I think, was the, the biggest thing then as far as respecting them, respecting the sea, respecting the gear, respecting everything, you know. Okay. Uh, respecting the fish. So that's 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 one of the things, you know, you've got okay. to do. It's all about respect. respect what you take. You don't need too much, you know, take yeah. what you need. Okay. All right, last, last question. Um, if you are talking to a guy who's, you can choose whatever you like, actually, whether it's a, an absolute novice or a guy who's been going a couple of years. What's sort of the, maybe the one to three biggest things you, you would communicate to them, the biggest tips? One of my biggest tips to, to uh, young blokes, and, you know, you've got all these free diving courses and all that sort of stuff, and they've got watches on their arms, and they, and, and, and I see them, and, and they tell me all the time, oh, yeah, I've got to live off this watch, and they time up and they time down and all that sort of thing. And I've never used a watch that way. And I keep telling them, if you're going to dive and you're doing a dive, always watch for your last bubble. You always find that last bubble when you're diving. It's a tiny little bubble. Don't dive before that last bubble. Don't dive before it. Yeah, what you're saying. It's only a simple thing, but what it does is it gives you time to recuperate and you're not going to have any trouble, you know. I've been close a couple of times because I haven't listened to my own advice, but that's, that's what I've done. Always live by that that creed of the last little bubble, and that's what I keep telling them. Just live by the little bubbles, you know. All right, Pete, we're um, we're going to wrap it up. Um, it's been magic having you on the show. Uh, I've really enjoyed our chat today. I've I've learned a bit a bit a bit about a few things actually. So it's about time you went and joined an organisation. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the AUFQ. Sorry, yeah. Pete. <laughs> say, I've, I've got no problems with that. I, I, I hope that we all get back together one day soon. Yeah, I do, I do too, mate. I'd like to see some uh, some restoration there between those two bodies. And but uh, as usual, it's not something we can do something about. But it's all good. Um, no. 
is there anything you, you want to say to our listeners, Pete, before we head on off? Uh, you know, just dive safe, be part of the sport, get involved, and that's really it. You know, have a good time, and that's it. Uh, and and when you put that, uh, as, as Simon Tripp says, when you put your uh, wetsuit on, that's like uh, a business car. That's telling everyone who you are. So, you know, when you've got it on, make sure you do the right thing, you know? Absolutely. All, All good. Boss. Magic, Pete. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for talking to us, Peter. Guys, head on over to penetratorfins.com. They are proud sponsors of today's Noob Spiro podcast. We're happy to announce a code you can use to save yourself $20 on any blade purchase. That's right, save $20, pump in the code Noob Spiro, check out penetratorfins.com, save yourself some dough on some fins and get yourself some of the best fins going with $25 flat rate international shipping and a full international warranty. Larry's the man. Thanks, Penetrator. Thanks for listening to today's episode, the big number 5-0, half ton. Hope there's another 50 to go and more. Um, thank you to Peter Saunders for speaking with us today, mate. We had an absolute ball. Um, loved everything you had to say. It was fantastic. Shrek, what have we got coming up, mate? Well, guys, next episode is a 101. We haven't pumped one out for a while, but this one is a blinder. It's six tips to improve, to increase, actionable tips to increase your bottom <laughs> time. Turbo loves actionable, oh, so I just had to chuck it out there. Uh, as we said in the start of the show, really appreciate some reviews. Pumps us up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, wherever you listen. Just an honest review is bloody good. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, today's show was proudly brought to you in partnership with spearfishing.com.au. Adreno have also put together a code for listeners of the Noob Spiro podcast where they can save $20 on all purchases over $200. That's right, punch in the code Noob Spiro when you buy your next spear gun or wetsuit at spearfishing.com.au and save yourself 20 bucks. It's a no-brainer. Shop with our sponsors Adreno at spearfishing.com.au and support the Noob Spiro podcast. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We had a ball bringing you the show. We always do, and it's just, as usual, jam-packed full of good information for the Noob Spiro. Now, if you'd like to connect with us further, do yourself a favor and get on our email newsletter. That is full of the happenings and goings on around Noob Spiro, and it's got some great deals in there for you as well. Now, if you are a hardcore fan, or just a fan, or you need a new shirt, go to noobspiro.com and check out our range of shirts. We've got some great stuff there from sizes from Turbo to Shrek. Turbo to Shrek. Yep, and everything in between. And Shrek, what can they do if they want to become truly better at spearfishing? Go to Amazon.com, get your hands on our ebook, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. It's actionable information drawn from over 10 years spearfishing experience between Turbo and I, and some of the best information we've learned from more than 40 interviews from spearfishing experts around the world. Also, guys, just quickly, leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening today. Look forward to getting in your ears again in another fortnight. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you get a couple of PBs this week.